You know, I think a lot of us who are queer, who are women, who are minorities, really feel the impact of these limited beliefs, like to the point where they just become our truths. And it takes a lot of work to really unlearn those things and to learn more empowering thoughts that give us the confidence that we need. Welcome to Queer Hustle, where we talk to the hottest up-and-coming queer entrepreneurs about growing businesses, creating dream lifestyles, and taking care of each other. Your host, Michelle Goyle, sits down to work together to explore what's possible when you approach business with full authenticity. Hey, everybody, it's Michelle, and this is Queer Hustle, where we interview all kinds of up-and-coming queer entrepreneurs to learn from them. And today we have Casper of the podcast Homo Ground, and I'm so excited to talk to you and learn all about what you've been doing. You've been doing this for a long time. You want to introduce yourself to the crew, and then we'll get into the Q&A? Yeah, I'm Casper. I'm currently living in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I moved here a month ago from Brooklyn, New York. And before that, I was living in North Carolina, which is where I started my podcast, Homo Ground. Podcast, if you're not familiar, features LGBTQ musicians and kind of used it as a way to just promote the music that was happening in North Carolina that I felt like was really good and I wanted people to hear it. I just always had a love for sharing music with people. And, you know, growing up as a teenager, I you know, lived in a town that didn't really get a lot of bands coming through. So I was just a huge music nerd that loved sharing music. And I guess, you know, Homo Ground ended up being an evolution of like all the mixtapes and mix CDs and stuff that I was creating at the time. Yeah, we're in, we're about to go into our 10th year. It feels weird (laughs) to know that like, oh, I've been doing this project for that long. And also just like seeing how, like it's journey. So that's been interesting too. Yeah, you were podcasting like way before podcasting was cool and where everyone had a podcast. You know, we're starting a podcast, like everybody's got a podcast now, but you were like back. So tell us about what that was like to start a podcast 10 years ago. Did people even know what podcasts were 10 years ago? I can't remember when I started knowing what podcasts were, being aware of that format. Yeah, I don't even think I knew what a podcast was. I was just, like I said, I was kind of nerdy and you know had to entertain myself a lot. So one way of doing that was like, oh... I figured out if I like hook a microphone up into my computer, I can like record myself. And so I can like make my mix CDs a little more interesting because I can add commentary to them. And so me and my friends would just like mess around and, you know, make our own little fake internet radio shows until eventually my friend had a internet radio or she had an internet magazine called Out Impact. And she used to feature lots of LGBTQ events and things that were happening in my area, which I thought was amazing. I'm like, wow, someone's actually doing this. And so she reached out to me um, around 2010 and was like, I'm going to start an internet radio station. Do you want to have a show on it? And so that was kind of where, you know, I took all of those little things I was doing that were just like fun little hobbies and was like, oh, maybe that would be cool. This sounds legit. So I kind of just was like, yeah, I'll do a music show about LGBTQ artists. And so that was kind of the point where Homo Ground like became this real thing. And then I was like, okay, now I have to like make an episode, you know, once a week or however often it was back then. And so that was really fun, like and exciting starting that. And, you know, I just was featuring bands that I knew about and like they would recommend their friends. And then a few months into it, I started getting emails from bands that I didn't know, bands from 
all over the world. And they were like, hey, we want to be on your podcast. And I was like, wow, how did people know that I had a podcast? From there, I put up like a submission form on the website and bands just started submitting their music to us. And it hasn't stopped since then. Sometimes there's like a lot of submissions and it's been mostly me, you know, doing this over those years. And so there have been times where I've had to like kind of take a break from it or, you know, get that full-time job to survive. Um, so there's been a lot of different forms of how the podcast has been through over those years. But right now, like I said, we're going into our 10th year and a lot of things have changed in my life and in the world over the past year. And, you know, this is a time where, you know, I've, I've done a lot of work in terms of personal development and stuff and feeling confident to be able to take my project to a next level instead of having to like have that scarcity mindset and be like, oh no, I need to go find a full-time job somewhere. So we're growing into a small little team, which has been exciting. Right now we're currently fundraising on Patreon. So our goal is to get a hundred Patreon supporters by the end of this year. So we can go into our 10th year strong and we're at 44 right now. So we've got some time to get that number up there. <laughs> Everybody hit up that home ground Patreon. Let's, let's help this out because this is fucking awesome. I love that you brought up scarcity mindset. You know, that's something that we talk about a lot and, and, and you're on this verge of making this big leap and saying, I don't want to have to be thinking about other things. I think, you know, when I started my current business, it was two or three years before I stopped being distracted by job postings here and there. Not that I took them or not that I interviewed, but you know, I'd be like, Oh, maybe. And then finally I got to the point where I was like, no, this is, it's stupid to even consider taking a job. Obviously that's the, you know, it takes a while to kind of get to that point. So what, it, what has happened with you that's allowed you to say, you know what, I'm going to stop being distracted by that. I'm going to stop being in scarcity and I'm really just going to focus on this. Yeah. And I think maybe it took like me going through all of that to really realize what I was doing to myself. Just because every time I would get that full-time job, then it's like, okay, great. Now I have like this financial safety, but now I don't have time to work on this project. And I realized that, you know, by me doing that, it was really taking the energy away from what I could be putting into my project to make it that thing that could be that financial safety. And so just kind of realizing that pattern of me doing that. And also just, I guess, in terms of everything that's been going on this year, and so many people are losing their jobs and trying to figure out how to survive. Luckily, my parents were always like very resourceful and just always hustling and working lots of different gigs when I was younger. So I think I learned from them that there's ways that you can survive and it doesn't have to really look like that one job, nine to five, like there are other things that you can do. And it's really up to me to create those opportunities for myself. Another thing that I've been doing over the past couple of years is I was doing a coaching training. So I recently got certified as a coach. When I was sitting at that desk at my nine to five job, I remember there was a moment where we had someone come in to talk to us about 401ks. And he was like, yeah, you know, in 30 years. And I was like, I'm going to be sitting at this desk for 30 years. And I was just like, I have to figure out something else. Yeah. And so that's when I was like, all right, I've had this idea and wanting to look into life coaching. Let me figure out what that next thing can be because I'm just like a person where working a nine to five job is really hard for me. It's hard for me to do the same thing over and over again. I really enjoy flexibility, being able to travel. Um, not that I'm doing a lot of that right now, but 
being able to work wherever I want to and all of those things that come with kind of working for yourself. So I figured, you know, this would be a great way for me to kind of set my life up the way that I want it to be. I'm sure that going through all those, the coaching training has really kind of rewired my brain in a different way that made me break away from a lot of limited beliefs and just really have more confidence in myself and the things that I do. You know, I think a lot of us who are queer, who are women, who are minorities, really feel the impact of these limited beliefs, like to the point where they just become our truths. And it takes a lot of work to really unlearn those things and to learn more empowering thoughts that give us the confidence that we need. Absolutely. I'm glad you're bringing this up because the the coaching industry is exploding right now. The pervasiveness of coaching is becoming bigger and bigger all the time. And I think this is great because, and we've talked about this in other episodes here of Queer Hustle. Like, I just think everybody needs a coach. I always have a coach. I am a coach. I have a coach. I'm just a big fan of the whole thing and the way that it teaches people to think differently, be more proactive, happen to their own lives. But we do get into some ickiness to your point when it comes to a lot of what's been purported by the coaching industry is cis white guys kind of coming down. You got to Tony Robbins, you got, you know, uh, so many people that I know were, were worked for Tony Robbins were trained by people who worked for Tony Robbins. There's just this trickle down and it's limiting beliefs. It shouldn't matter. And you can push past anything. I believe a lot of that to a point. We also have to be respectful of the fact that all of us have a different journey. We're at different intersections of experience. A lot of the, the bad things that are happening to marginalized folks are really happening. Things really are harder. How do you think about walking that line between saying, yeah, things are harder for you, but you can still push past it especially when you're talking to someone that's at a different intersection of privilege than you are, that you're more privileged than. I agree with you totally that, you know, the coaching business has like blown up and there's so many people out there putting out too many messages that might not be really useful for people, even though they may be coming from a place of like wanting to help someone and being positive, but maybe that's not going to help someone in the way that they're thinking it would help. So yeah, I I definitely have been really mindful of that and also thinking about how I want to kind of structure the way that I coach, the way that I message myself out there. It's really important to me to work with the LGBT community because I relate to it. I know what you're going through. For me personally, even finding a therapist that can relate to me has been a struggle. Um, There have been times where I've had great therapists and then things happen where I had to find a new one and just can't find someone who can relate. So I know that it's hard just finding that. Having a coach, like you were saying, you have one, you are one. I agree. I have a coach as well. Just having people around to support you, I think is so important. I really value community and being there for one another and helping out. So community and collaboration are all very big parts of, you know, the way that I coach and really just wanting to understand where a person is and what it is that they want to achieve with coaching. Like, I don't want to just spout out things just to spout them out saying, yeah, just, you know, think positively and these things will happen. I know there's just so many factors that play into that systems of oppression that people can escape from. You know, as I'm trying to figure out my coaching sessions and like how I'm structuring everything, I just kind of remind myself of the things that I have been doing. And that's like creating space and creating a place for 
the LGBT community to come together. I mentioned Homo Ground is a platform for artists to get their music out there. And right now, um, one of the things that I've done since the beginning of COVID was create a virtual co-working space because that was something that I kind of needed for myself. When the shelter in place happened, I wasn't able to be around my friends in the same way or to collaborate in the same ways. And that's something that's really important to me. So I started offering a virtual co-working space for the LGBT community that meets three times a week. It's free and you can come in whenever you want and pop in. It's just a place where you can have support, socialize and meet other people while we're all going through this rough time. So in terms of what I can bring to the table lately, I, I think, you know, just holding space for people is really important. And even if you don't think it's doing anything, like you'll be surprised by just having a space for people to come to or just listening to someone. It can make so much of a difference for someone who feels like they've never been heard. Absolutely. I love how all of the different projects that you're working on kind of dovetail together in terms of creating community and creating space and create, you know, especially uh, in the queer community. Got platform for artists, you've got queer co-working, you're coaching uh, for LGBT people. I mean, is it the common thread? Are you looking to create more space, create more community for queer folks? I think so. And I think it is kind of a little selfish because, you know, these are things like, I wish I had that. And so I'm kind of creating these things that I, I want to be a part of. And growing up, like I said, you know, I didn't really have access to a lot of things. I don't even think there was like an LGBT, LGBT center. There definitely wasn't a gay student alliance at my high school. Um, and I didn't really know that many gay people that I could talk to. A lot of these things that I'm creating are things that I'm creating for my younger self. And I know people are still going through those things. So glad that it's able to help me and also able to help a lot of other people. It's, it's important for me to provide these things specifically for the LGBT community, because even in the beginning of COVID, when I was, you know, entertaining the thought of like, I was like, oh, there must be some kind of virtual co-working thing out there. And I was doing research and I found some things, but I don't know, for some reason, I, I didn't feel comfortable like, you know, sharing my they, them pronouns or, you know, just talking about the work that I do because my work is very gay. <laughs> People are like, what's your podcast about? And I'm like, oh, queer music. Um, I wanted to be around people that I could relate to. I tried these other things that were open to the general public and I was like, all right, it's cool that those things exist, but I want to find my community. I want to be with my community. I want to feel comfortable sharing the work that I'm doing and sharing information about myself. Absolutely. And I feel a lot of that, especially, you know, when I decided to kind of step up and, and take over Rebecca with Queer Hustle, that was a large part of it is, you know, I want to be not only in this community, but creating additional community and also creating visibility. The reason we decided to start doing this as a YouTube channel, as a podcast was specifically so there would be examples of queer entrepreneurs to hold up because when I was coming up, when other people are coming up, you know, my age and older, they're saying, there was nobody that looked like me. There was nobody that thought like me. There was nobody, you know, I'm, I'm looking at people and I don't see a lot of people that look femme and are bisexual and are, but are still exploring gender and are still queer. And there's not a lot of visibility on that end. You know, for people my age, there were a lot of uh, uh, there were gay men, there were lesbians, there were even trans people, but very binary trans people, you know, and that was about it. There weren't all these other kind of, of choices. And there, there's definitely this extension of, oh, I get to explore myself and be myself and be authentic through helping other people do the same thing. And there's that exponential reward there that comes out of that. 
Definitely. You know, and I loved like when I first discovered Queer House, I was like, oh my God, this is so awesome. This is like something I've been looking for for so long. And also like the groups that you run to join, I searched on Facebook. I'm like, I'm going to join all these groups. And it just feels so nice to be in those spaces, just to see all of the, you know, interviews that you've been doing with other entrepreneurs and just having those um, representations out there. It's so important. Yeah, you know, one of the things that's been really interesting and, and kind of fulfilling to me too about these spaces is that it it's kind of counterintuitive. We're creating space for queer people because in space for queer people, we don't have to be queer first, right? Like everywhere else in the world, this is the armor and we either want to, we either, either people are kind of hiding it or the other way. We go the other way sometimes. Like, I'm queer just so everybody knows, just so it's not a thing. Just like, so can we get that out of the way? When you're in a queer space, you can talk about, oh, I have a music podcast or I do business. You know what I mean? And it's not the first thing about you that's interesting. I did one with, with Danielle and she was bringing this up too. So sometimes I just want to talk about developing websites. I don't want to talk about being queer first. Mm-hmm. And this is a space in which I get to do that. Do you feel some of that too? Yeah, it is nice to just be able to talk about my passions and my hobbies and stuff without really having to talk about my identity uh, all the time. (laughs) It's funny because we're both people here who created all of these things around our identity and created these spaces, but it is nice to just be able to kind of, the point is to create the space so that you can be yourself and that that's not the first thing that you always have to lead with, that you're not a representative of the queer community because I don't personally look queer, I guess. I'm constantly having to assert my queerness in other spaces. I don't always feel like I, I mean, sometimes I feel like I have to do that in queer spaces, but not all the time. It's just nice to kind of have this. So what we're doing for entrepreneurs with the visibility, with the platform, you were doing this for musicians 10 years ago. I'm sure you've had all kinds of interesting experiences through Home of Ground. Do you have any like super cool stories or like, was there anybody that you ended up meeting or interviewing that you never thought in a million years would be interested in talking to you or anything like that? Actually, yeah, we've been able to interview some pretty big names. We interviewed Kimya Dawson and Amy Ray from the Indigo Girls. Wow. <laughs> so those have been like the really big ones. And I've met so many people from doing this project. People that have become like very close friends of mine, people who have worked on the project with me over the years, just people who come in and out of my life. It's like, oh, how did we know each other? Oh, yeah, from that Homo Ground show that we booked in this other town. So it's really fun to just make those types of connections with people. When I was younger, I used to just travel to different cities and go to shows all the time. And now that I'm older, I don't do that as much. Now that it's COVID, I don't do that ever. (laughs) So I'm really glad that I started doing all this stuff when I did and was able to have those experiences of just being able to show up at a show and not really know, oh, I don't know where I'm going to stay tonight. And then just meeting people and them being like, come back to this party. You can crash on our couch. And I'm like, all right, (laughs) which might sound a little naive, but you know, in in those moments, it felt very like community oriented. There were never times where I felt unsafe in those moments. Being able to meet people and have those kinds of conversations and connections, I don't think I would have had if, I, if it weren't for Homo Ground. So I am grateful that this project has really led me to meeting a lot of amazing people and to having really great opportunities and experiences in my life. 
Absolutely. It's, I was just talking to a group of, of my clients this morning about that visibility impact, right? Like when you start to put yourself out there, when you start to get visible and people start to know who you are, what you do, what you're about, you attract more and more opportunities that allow you to then have a bigger platform for visibility, which then attracts more things and there becomes an exponential impact. So it's so hard to get started at first when you don't see any of that coming. And then when it starts, it can really blow up really fast. Yeah, actually, once you were saying that, it kind of just reminded me of it's not all fun and easy. There are times where there were a lot of hard things I had to do. And maybe it's not hard for other people. There were a lot of times where I had to go do public speaking things. And as an introvert, and who's usually very anxious, like that is not a fun thing for me. (laughs) So I would have like panic attacks, like leading up to it. But one thing that I would just remind myself was like, okay, this isn't about me. This is about this project. This is about like all of the musicians that it's been able to spotlight and give other opportunities for. You know, when you have projects and you're faced with things that are scary or hard, just reminding yourself of why is it that you're doing this? What is the purpose of it? And just keeping that in mind, it doesn't necessarily make all of the anxieties and stuff go away, but it definitely just kind of reminds you that you're doing it for a reason. So I guess that's like advice to people out there who are like, oh, you know, it's it's hard. <laughs> um, yeah. It is hard. <laughs> it is hard. But focusing on your why is the answer every single time. Because if you make your business or your project or whatever about you, it's a roller coaster. And if you let your own emotions or your psychological state or whatever's going on with you that day be completely tied to what's going on with your business or your project, then you're going to go up and down just mm-hmm. like it does. And that's not good. That's not healthy, right? It's so much better to just be like, I'm doing this for other people and focus on that because then even when it's hard, you can get through and you can say, it's not about me. It's not for me. If it were for me, maybe I'd just quit because maybe that's hard today and I'd rather sit on the couch and eat chocolate today. But I am doing this for something else, something bigger than me. And that's why I keep going. That's beautiful. I love that. So if folks are listening and they want to get in on all of this, they want to support Homoground, they want to get in on your virtual co-working. How can they get in touch with you? How can they find out? Yeah, the best place is just going to Homoground's website at homoground.com. You can listen to our episodes there. Um, you can also subscribe to the podcast on any podcasting app. On the website, we also have a link to our virtual co-working space. Right now, we offer it Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays. It's two-hour sessions on those days. And you can sign up. It's free. If you're interested in supporting Homoground on Patreon, we also have a link to that as well. Um, there's a lot of cool behind the scenes perks. So if you're one of those people who's really interested in like the process of, you know, behind the scenes of projects and also like how episodes are being made, um, that's a great place to, to join there. Very cool. Check it out on the Homeground website. Casper from Homeground, thank you so much for being with us today. Really, really awesome to talk to you. Everybody else, we'll see you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to Queer Hustle. To read the full show notes for this episode, which include a summary, timestamps, and any links mentioned in this episode, please visit michellecoyle.com slash podcast. There, you'll find the information from this episode and any past episodes. If you're enjoying this podcast, please leave us a rating and a review at ratethispodcast.com slash queer hustle. Until we meet again next week, go out there and let it shine.